If you have your Bibles, guys, I'm going to ask you to turn with me back to 1 Peter chapter 4. We've been dealing with the spirit of generosity, uh, and uh, I want to make sure that we are dialed in and understand what this is really all about. Um, I want to ask a quick key question. Uh, I, I ran across this question, and I thought about it. I said, you know, that's a question to pose to the church body. Because we've been dealing with the spirit of generosity and what that actually entails and what that means. Because we serve a God who is generous, right? Our father loved us so much that he gave his very best. He gave his only begotten son to die a a, a gruesome death on the cross of Calvary so that you and I could have a personal relationship with him. That's what he did. He loved us, so he gave. He was generous. God is always giving. He's always generous. And so since we belong to him uh, and we're part of his family, we should be in that same mode of generosity, right? So the question, the key question today is this, and don't look at anybody else, but look at yourself. And I want us to read this question together. Let's read. If everyone in this church gave like I do, would that be a good thing for the kingdom? I need you to ponder that real quickly. I'm going to read it one more time. If everyone in this church gave like I do, would that be a good thing for the kingdom? Now, remember, we're talking about spirit of generosity. We're talking about not only just financial stewardship, but stewardship of our gifts, stewardship of our time. Amen. Stewardship of the gospel message. If everybody stewarded, stewarded it, the gospel message in the way that you steward it, what type of impact would that have on the kingdom? You know, the Bible says this, uh, moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And as Paul wrote that, he was talking about the stewardship of the gospel message. And the question becomes, how good of a steward are you and I, are we evaluating ourselves? Are we actually taking this thing serious enough to where we're, we're saying, God, I belong to you and my life is surrendered to you totally and completely? I will submit to you that many times uh, we don't have that type of stewardship level that God requires of us. So stewardship and the spirit of generosity. Now, guys, listen to me carefully. In order to change church members' mindsets and behavior patterns, what we got to do, we, we got to begin with the fact that a steward is a person, a manager of someone else's resources. If you miss this, if you miss this godly principle that every one of us are not our own, we've been bought with the price, and therefore we should glorify God in our bodies and our spirit. If you miss that, then you'll come into a church environment with the mindset that, well, you know what, uh, this is me, this is my truth, this is my deal, I, I want to do what I want to do, or if that fits my uh, culture or my nature, I'll do it. But pastor, if you're asking me to do something that's, that's not in my comfort zone, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass this time. See, stewards don't do that. Stewards understand that, that God owns everything, including us. And we're responsible to him for doing Uh, with his body and his spirit, the the things that he desires for us to do. But most followers of Christ, again, will acknowledge that they have this role of a steward, yet deep down, they struggle with faithfully carrying it out. 
All right. Go up, if you will, go with me to first. I, I, I know I'm skipping, but go to Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number one with me right quick. Romans chapter 12, verse number one. And we're going to try to put some some uh, some some finishing touches on this spirit of generosity, because I'm telling you what I'm after as your pastor. As your pastor, I'm looking for each one of us to view ourselves as 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 the clay and God as the potter. All right. And when we when when we as clay get on that potter's wheel, uh, uh, then then we should be subject to the potter shaping us the way he wants to shape us. How many of you know the song? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Somebody help us mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, what? Yield it and steal. Beautiful song. But the question becomes, how many of y'all jump off the potter's wheel when he starts trying to shape you in a way that you're not comfortable with? That's the question that we got to answer, okay? So watch this text here, okay? Y'all with me? The Apostle Paul is writing here, and he says something here to the saints in Rome. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to do what? Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, what is them, the bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to what? To worship him. Look at verse number two with him right quick, just for good measure. Verse two says, don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. Now, guys, here's what I got to I got to implore you, and I'm, going, I'm, I'm exhorting you as a born-again believer. By the way, how many of y'all consider yourself a born-again believer? Let me see about a show of hands. You've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, okay? I didn't say that you did everything right, because none of us do, right? But we ought to be striving toward perfection. So if you are a born-again believer, this applies to you. It says don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Stop. That means, this says right now, that God is not pleased with me, me staying where I am. I don't care how old I get, I am 59 today. I know I don't look like it. I am 59 years old, and next year I will turn 60. Going into another decade, Yvonne. I'll be catching up with you and Bobby soon. <laughs> But, but guys, listen to me. I don't care how old we get, we should be subject to being transformed into the express image of God's dear son. You never get too old to stop changing. Did I say that right? Okay. We should always be open and subject to God molding us on that potter's wheel to shape us into the person that he desires for us to be. But watch what he says here because I am afraid that too many of us in the church, born again believers, have decided that we're going to operate by my truth instead of the truth. And so everybody can have their way of thinking about things, but ultimately we got to get back to God's word. God's word is to stand the truth by which we will operate as a body of believers. 
It says, don't copy the behavior and the custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, your behavior will not change appreciably and for, 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 for a, a period of time or your, your behavior will not be different if you don't change the way you think about life. Especially the way you've been thinking has you behaving in opposition to God's word. Can we keep reading? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now go back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, look at verses 7 through 10. Each one of you I share with you have a spiritual gift, and we've been, we've been commissioned by God to steward that spiritual gift that's on the inside of you. I gave you two terms when we first started this part on spiritual gift. There's, there's a term that's called continuationism and cessationism. Cessationism are those who, 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 who are saved, but they believe that the spiritual gifts in part or all have went away with the canonization of scripture. I told you, I cannot find scripture evidence to say that because if God gave the gifts for the church to build the church, is not the church still here? And if the word of God was the only thing that was needed at that point in time, do you not realize now that Satan has always tried to get the world and the church to doubt the validity of God's word? And even more so now, that's happening today because people are now saying, okay, well, listen, okay, I know what God's word said, but, but culture says this. My party, political party says this. And I'm telling you that if we're going to be children of God who are operating in the spirit of God and allowing God to have the, 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 the power in our lives, we must stand on the truth of God's word, rightly divided, in context, and allowing it to govern our lives. All right? So watch this again. So, so we have to steward uh, in every area of our lives. And so, but, but many times people get, get, get kind of side, sidetracked and and the Lord calls us to a life of complete commitment to him by urging each of us to offer our bodies as what as Romans says as living sacrifices. The idea here is that we are all in. You know, I oftentimes reference when I was playing football and losing a tech because those are some those are some formative years in my life. And man, I learned a whole lot about how to play your role and play your part. I was, uh, uh, when I, my four years of starting at Louisiana Tech, I was, with, was, it was in a defensive backfield. In the defensive backfield, we're the last line of defense against the offense scoring a touchdown. Now, it was critically important that each one of us knew our assignment. Brother Danny, if we ran a cover four, my assignment was to cover deep middle, not go blitz the quarterback. If I decided on my own that I want to get me a sack, I'm going to go blitz the quarterback. Then I leave deep middle wide open. They send a post route up the deep middle, and now they got a touchdown because guess what? I didn't cover my assignment. All right? So, so if you work together with a team, it's important for you to operate in your gifted, giftedness and to do the thing that you've been assigned to do. Can I get half a witness up in here? And so, 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 that, so that's really important, but we got to be all in if we're going to do that, because if a guy decides I want to get my name in the paper, so I'm going to do something that I was not assigned to do on that coverage, then you end up hurting your team. Can I get a witness? Amen. And I, I, as I finally say, that's why I'm still the career interception leader for tech, because I decided to do my assignment <laughs> consistently. All right. And, and, and I love having the ball. So if it came to me, I'm going to catch it. Are y'all with me today? So, so, Everybody say, we have to learn 
to do our assignment. And that means we've got to be all in in all areas of our lives. So it's important that we ask ourselves and the church body as a whole, if any parts are not completely surrendered to and under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You've got to ask yourself that question. What part of my life have I not surrendered to him? Now look at the text here. First Peter 4. Are you there? Verse 7. The, the end of the world is coming. Now, again, I gave you another passage scripture, and there's another passage scripture that, I'm, that I give you that talks about the end of the world. The Apostle Paul talked about the end of the world, and he, he did it in Thessalonica. He did it here. Uh, uh, Peter is talking here, right here, but Paul said it, and he wrote to Timothy, and he wrote to Thessalonica. And what he tells us is, since we know that the end of the world is coming soon, that fact or that that, that, that theological construct of us knowing it to be true should govern us to act differently because we know that, that time will soon wind up. If I know that, give, give you an illustration. If you've been, let's say for instance, your mom, uh, I remember during the summers, your mom and dad were at work. Um, and if they told us to clean the house, all right, we knew that there was a certain time that they were going to come home, right? How many of y'all have been getting, given assignments and chores, but you knew that they were coming home, and usually they were coming at a specific point in time, so you, you would play all morning and then clean the room up, wash the dishes, whatever, right before. Can I get one witness out there? How many of y'all were like that? Just, just doing enough to make sure you didn't get in trouble. In other words, if you knew that they were coming home at a certain period of time, if you believe that, then you knew you had to finish your assignment, do those chores before they got in that house. Now, what Paul says is when you really truly believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church, when you really truly look at the prophetic time clock and understand that we're getting closer and closer, that should drive each one of us to do life differently. If you believe that. I will submit to you as you're pa- having passed for 33 years, a lot of stuff people say they believe it in the Bible, they don't really believe it. Can I say it again? A lot of things that people say they believe, they don't really believe it. And I can give you scripture to prove it to you in just a second. But let's read this right quick because I've been telling you I'm going here and hadn't got there yet, have I? Watch the text. Are y'all ready? Let's read. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Next verse. Most important of all, back up, not back up. Can we catch this again? Watch this. He says the end of the world is coming soon. So as a result, be what? Earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Now, what does that mean to be earnest and disciplined? That means be sincere and have a consistent prayer time. The Bible says men ought to always pray and not faint. And it also says pray without what? Ceasing. Is that correct? So I want to ask you a question. The word in the world is coming soon. Be earnest and discipline your prayers. How many of y'all will be, will be bold enough to admit in this service by nodding your head, you know, Pastor, my prayer life is not as disciplined as it, as it should be? Okay, I'm going to nod my head for you, okay? Can I nod my head? My prayer life is not, but, but if I believe that the end of the world is coming soon, I need to be earnest and disciplined in my prayers. So do I really believe it's coming soon? I would submit to you sometimes we can fool, even though we, 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 we mentally accept to the fact that Jesus is coming back, many of us don't think he's coming, he's coming back tomorrow. Right? Because if you knew he was coming back tomorrow, that date you already got hooked up with that woman you shouldn't be with, you'll cancel it. Can I get one? 
amen from a brother who, okay. If you knew, just like if you knew your parents were coming home, you wouldn't do certain things. If this really resonated in my spirit, at the end of the word is coming soon, he says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Next verse, can we, can we go, can we go? Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Listen to what he says. Consider to show deep love for each other, for love does what? Covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love does not mean that you just tolerate sin. Covers means that I don't throw you away because I know your, your junk. Cover means that I, you know, even, even when, when you do mess up, I try to bring you back. Which, yo, those who are st- spiritually, spiritual, the Bible says, and I think it's in, in Galatians 6, says, go and restore those who've fallen and do it in the spirit of meekness. So love covers a multitude of sins. All right? How many of y'all know that you have people in your life that know your stuff, know your junk, know your failures and your faults, but they don't throw you away? And they don't put you out there on blast? And let me say this right quick while I'm at it, putting people out on blast. Stop, stop. Let me tell you something. Some of y'all are doing yourself a disservice. Stop throwing everything, your feelings, your emotions on social media. Please stop it. Can I say it again? Please stop it. Because what you're doing is you're showing your lack of spiritual maturity. We went through a whole series on emotionally healthy spirituality. I pray that some of y'all go back and study that. But don't forget those principles. Listen, sometimes we get on there and we throw stuff out and it shows our level of immaturity. Okay? I didn't say social media was evil, did it? It can be used as a tool. But sometimes when you're not, when you're not prayed up, when you're not emotionally healthy, you, will, you begin to throw your feelings out there for everybody to see. And, and, and rather than going and talk to the person who you really need to go and talk to, because the Bible says there's an alt between you and your brother, you go to him what, one-on-one, and tell him it's fault between you and him alone. Then you gain your brother. And then you take, if, if he doesn't hear you then, you're biblically correct to take two or three other spiritual people with you. And if he doesn't hear you then, he's still cutting up, still acting a fool, then you bring before church council. And if you still don't listen to church council and acting a fool, still living a certain way, uh, then at that point in time, church council will say, we're going we're to we're disfellowship you because we, we, we want you to get it right, but we see that you're not going to get it right as long as we just kind of placate this thing. Church discipline was part of the early church, okay? Most of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Verse number, uh, next verse says what? Cheerfully watch this. Share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Next verse says this. God has given each of you, a, this is what I want to get to. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them, watch this, use them well to do what? Serve one another. So we, we, we've been given spiritual gifts and we need to steward over those gifts. Now the question I got for you is, how many of y'all are operating your gift? How many of y'all are sitting on your gift? How many of y'all are stewarding and shepherding your gift to the point that we say, Pastor, God, however you need to use me, I am available to be used. Something simple as, I thank God that we had about 10 brothers yesterday just came up and, and helped straighten out the storage building. Now, that may seem like something that's minor to you, but to me, that the ministry gift of helps. Those who said, whatever needs to be done, even if it means just clean out the storage building, I'm there to help. I thank God for those brothers who did that because, uh, you know, we needed to do it. It's one of those projects that we've that we been sitting on saying we need to do this. Well, guess what? It ain't going to clean itself up. Right. 
So I thank God for helps in, in anybody that's operating in, in whatever spiritual gift that you have. Make it available for God to use. Now, as we talk about this, guys, too often, uh, again, the part of, in our lives that's not surrendered is the area of stewardship or gifting or giving, okay? Now, I want to go real quick into 1 Timothy chapter number 5. And this is one area that, that I, I want to share with you because I believe and I, with all my heart, mind, and soul, that God has graced this church to be a giving church, and we are a giving church. And I believe God wants to do even more to help promote the gospel kingdom throughout this region and to show the love of God to those who are in need spiritually, physically, financially, on down the line. But it, it's going to take all of us doing our part. Let me say it again. It's going to take all of us doing our part. Remember the key question I asked when we first started this? If everyone in this church gave like I do, would that be a good thing for the kingdom? Could we pay the electric bill? The, the, can, I, can I clear y'all in on something? During this time of the year, usually the electric bill for all three or four of these buildings could be usually around $2,500 per month. Okay? Do y'all realize that? Sometimes we don't know things. But you can't, my point is, you can't operate ministry without money. You, Jesus had a treasurer. So why did he have a treasurer? Because it took money to do ministry. He didn't go around putting money out the fish mouth for everything that went along. They, 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 they went about doing the work of ministry, and it took money to operate and do ministry. So I, I don't apologize for that. I'm going to encourage you. I don't beg you. I'm going to teach you. And I'm going to exhort you. Now it's up to you to do what God's, God's word says. I know God is faithful. I've seen him be faithful in my own life. Can I get a half witness up in here? I know what the Lord will do. I've seen him make a way out of no way. I've seen him turn some midnight situation today. I know he's faithful. As I oftentimes say, you should have caught me before I found out he was faithful. It's too late now. I've seen what the Lord has done in my life. And so you can't stop me because I'm going to keep moving forward. But, but this part has to be something that we, we look at dearly. Now, I, I, Paul writes here to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, and now Paul begins to, to give some things to him that can help, help, help the church be more faithful in following the Lord's lead. Look at the text, 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse number 1. Can we move quickly? Can we move quickly? I said, can we move quickly? I'm going to slow down a little bit because I talk fast when I get excited. Have y'all noticed that? And so I need to slow down a little bit, but I want to walk you through this. I want the Bible to speak. I don't want to be Doyle Adams. I want the Bible to speak, okay? Are y'all with me today? Are you with me? Are you with me? EBC, are you with me? Okay. I, 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 I thought somebody would say, oh, yeah, we having church. ain't going nowhere. <laughs> that was old Kirk Franklin Stone. Stone. I, okay. Anybody remember that reference? Sometimes I throw out references and, and, and you may have missed it. What are you, what are you talking about? Okay. EBC, are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> are you with me? All right, all right. Come on. Y'all say that until I preach a little too long, then you're going somewhere. 
Okay, watch this, guys. Y'all get back in the tent. Come on. Paul talking to his young son in the ministry, a young pastor by the name of Timothy. Can we let the Bible speak? Everybody say, let the Bible speak. Let's go. It says what? Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Parents, teach your children to say yes, sir, and no, sir. Parents, listen, y'all, if anybody know me, know I am not, I don't, I'm not enamored by titles. I could care less about titles. I'm the least title-friendly guy that you want to know. Because when you start seeking titles, I just, because it ain't about titles, it's about the kingdom. But don't have your child coming up to Brother Carl Jones saying, Carl. You tell him to call him Mr. Call or Mr. Jones. And when it comes to your pastor, again, I'm not in the titles, but don't have him come to my doll. He's seven years old. I don't have a problem. Listen, because there are many of y'all I have a relationship before I started pastoring the church, okay? And, I, and, and, and some I work with. And, and I, I, I don't, I don't pig, I don't wig, I really don't wig out. I was Doll, my, my name is not Pastor Doll Adams. You know what my name is? Doll R. Adams, that R stands for Ray. Okay, Doll Ray Adams. And I, I guess I got a, a namesake up there in the balcony running the sound, so sometimes I put senior on there, but I got, there's a junior running around too. But parents teach your children to respect their elders. Now, 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 now watch what happened here. Now, he's talking to a pastor, a young pastor. He says, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. The next verse, let's go, let's go. It says what? Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would what? Your own sister. He's talking to a pastor, young Timothy. But again, even though this is the pastoral epistle, the scripture is given to all of us. So don't just say, well, that's just for the pastor. No, no, this is for everybody. But watch where he goes. Here's what I want to get to because we're talking about uh, spirit of generosity and how we as a church should, should carry ourselves and how we should address certain issues. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes people will try to tell you how to walk your Christian faith out and they're not even Christians. But we know the word of God says, okay? Watch what Paul talks to Timothy about here. Next verse. It says, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. All right? Look, let's keep moving, okay? Next verse says, but if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. That's Bible. This is something that pleases God. All right. Now, I know some of y'all got some little issues and idiosyncrasies and ways of thinking about things, but I ain't concerned about that. I'm going to teach you what the word of God says. Now, it's up to you to obey it. But he says here, quit coming to the church to get the church to pay your mama's electric bill. When you sitting over there, fat cat over there. 
I didn't make it up. But she has children or grandchildren, children or grandchildren. Their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents for taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Next verse. Come on, let's go. Now, a true widow. See, some widows ain't true widows. Now, a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has truly alone in this world. She don't have any children or grandchildren to take care of. Has placed her hope in God. Not just some widow out there, out there in, 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 that, 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 that's, that's going to, to, to Club Xanadu uh, every Saturday night. Is there a... How many of y'all remember the clubs that I do? Yeah, look at Carl Law. Yeah, we remember. Now, we're talking about a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking for his help. We're talking about true widows, where the church steps in and helps. True widow. True widow. But the widow who lives only for pleasure. Come on, there's some widows who live only for pleasure. Is spiritually dead even while she lives. Next verse, can we read? Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. Are y'all still tracking with me here? But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own households, not, not, not have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. He's talking about widows. Now, can I say something here right quick? Because I know this happens in probably most families where other family members, I'm not talking about a widow, your mom or your grandmother here. I'm talking about other relatives feel like it is your responsibility to take care of them. Okay. Don't misunderstand what this is saying. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Because sometimes, here's what I discovered that people do, in their zeal to be obedient to God, and we'll say stuff like this, well, you know, it ain't whatever they do with this up, that's on them. I just did my part. What, what are you talking about? You are responsible for the stewardship of the resources that God has placed in your hands. And you owe it to that person to evaluate the situation. Am I right about it? Was it Peter and John that were going to the temple? And there was a beggar sitting there, begging of alms. And they stopped and evaluated. They said, silver and gold have a none. Not that they didn't have any money, because they had money. But he said, such as I have, I give to you. They realized the man's need was to really be able to walk. All right? And they, they, they touched him and healed him, and he got up and he walked, right? And sometimes when we're trying to help people, there are times when I'll help you first time without very many questions. But if there's a repetitive pattern, I got to fix the hole in your bag. So there's a long-term solution. And I can't help fix the hole in your bag if you're not willing to listen to godly counsel. So, so this is not saying that you just nilly-willy just go in every relative. That, this is talking about the widows. 
and true widows, that's that. Not, not the ones who, 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 who are spiritually dead, not the ones who who living in sin, not the ones who have no relationship and prayer life with God. He says, take care of them. So this is not saying you just, you just, just give money to all your family members who have asked, because people will use you up. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to give because we're talking about spiritual generosity. And it may sound like I'm contradicting myself, but I'm not. What I'm saying is, is learn how to use wisdom. Jesus said before man goes to build a tower, he has to count up the cost to see whether or not he has sufficiency to finish the doggone thing. Otherwise, he gets out in the middle of building a house, building a tower, and can't finish it because he didn't properly evaluate See, you have to sometimes force people to start evaluating their financial position. And one thing I do, I said, first time I may have to be the next, next this, you can actually, the next thing I'm going to do is that we have somebody who works with us. Go see her. Now, when you go see her, don't walk up in there, listen to the counseling advice and leave and don't do anything she says. You're wasting her time and yours. And I'll do that very same thing. I have a financial background. I was in banking for 70 years, and I know how to do a budget. I know how to, to analyze a financial statement. I know all that stuff, and I'll sit down with you if you really want to get free. But if all you're looking for is me to, to feel that need, I want to help you feel that need, true enough, but I want to give you a long-term solution so that you can be positioned next time and help somebody else. Can we keep reading? Gosh, dog, my time is running. A widow who is put on the list for support, watch this, must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. I didn't make it up, guys. It's right there. A widow who's put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. Next verse, let's read. It says, it says she must be well-respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Or they the baddest thing in the church, tearing up everything. <laughs> has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? Next verse. The younger widows should not be on the list. <laughs> because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they want to remarry. <laughs> Nothing wrong with remarrying. I'm just telling you what he's telling young Pastor Timothy here as it relates to uh, this, those who can qualify for the list for support in the church. Next verse. Then they will be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. Next verse. And if they own the list... They will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business and talking about things they shouldn't. Now, I will submit to you that not only do young widows may do this, but some of us in here doing that. Gossiping is a sin. Talking about something that you don't know to be true. And even if you knew it to be true, is it your job to spread it? Absolutely not. Okay? Loose lips, Colin Powell said, sink ship. Loose lips will sink a church too. As far as being 
a viable witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are y'all still with me today? Now, now, let, let, let me get to the end. Of verse, go down to verse 16. Next verse says, so I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them. For I'm afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan. If a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. The church can care for the widows who are truly alone. All right. So, so th- th- I gave you that, but I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go with me, if you will, to um, 1 Kings 17 chapter. Talking about a widow. I'm going to show you how God will care for. What I'm, what I'm trying to get us to understand is that we how we first first King chapter 17, verse number one. OK. What you, you you'll never really truly submit in this area of generosity. If you. If you don't understand that you are a steward. I, I share with you all the time that one of the things that Rare and I do is, as a constant is we'll go to different restaurants and we'll tip real good. We'll go to a fast food drive-in and, 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 and tip real good. Now, when, they, when, they, when they're nice, okay? And I'll give you an illustration. We, we went to this place. I won't call their name, but it's, 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 here's what I do know. You're going to figure this out when I tell you, okay? There are several other establishments on this highway right next down the street from each other, and they sell chicken. This one place has lines all out on the highway. And there's three other nationally known chicken places that when you pass by the parking lot, it's empty. The drive-thru is empty. I feel sorry. They just wearing them out. They I mean, just literally wearing them out. When I go down, I'm like, my goodness. What is the, what, what, what's happening here? Because if I would work them on other places, and, you know, they sit the, people just sit up there and say, ain't nobody coming. <laughs> but this last time we went, well, the time before we went, um, <laughs> the lady was real nice. She was super nice. Um, and then once we paid for the order, I said, here, here I get, I, here's a $20 bill. I said, I'm giving this to you because of your level of customer service. It was so nice, and it's great to have that type of customer service. And she thanked me. And she was, she was very appreciative of the fact that I tipped her a $20 bill at a fast food restaurant. Let's fast forward three more well, days. I don't know if she remembered me or not, but the next time I went, I ordered something with, with a number of I ordered. I think I ordered five piece, five legs. But when I opened my box, I had six legs in there. So I don't know if she gave me an extra leg <laughs> because I tipped her good. But I just, and I know I probably shouldn't have ate that extra leg, but I ate it. I promise you I ate it. But I just believe that God blessed me a little bit more. But the spirit of generosity, guys, it, I'm telling you what I'm trying to do as your pastor. I'm trying to embed that in the culture of this church. And I want us to be wise stewards. One of the things that you, you if you don't know anything else about me, and you can ask folks who know me well, I, I'm going to be a wise steward over God's resources. And I'm going to make sure that this church is, is, is able to do what God has assigned for it to do. Okay? I don't waste money. Okay? I, I, I don't believe in that. Okay? Are y'all with me? Uh, <laughs> now, I tell you, I'm not quite bad as my Uncle Charles, who... 
God rest his soul, he put duct tape on that vacuum cleaner and keep going with it. <laughs> but but I, I believe, in, uh, I believe in, in being good stewards over God's resources, okay? But now watch this. I got to move, y'all. The text said, now, again, what you, if you read the previous chapter, you'll see where uh, Ahab uh, now comes onto the throne and God's man, God's prophet, Elijah, is, is being called by God to, um, uh, to say some things and to pro- prophetically proclaim some things. Um, the, just look at this real quick so, so you can get the, get the context. Go, go look at the 16th chapter, and let's look at verse number 29. The 16th chapter, verse number 29. I got to move, y'all. I'm talking about widows and see how God will care for. It says, Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years. Watch what the Bible says. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel. Everybody said, hmm. The daughter of King Ethbal of the Sidonians, and he began to bow down and worship to Baal. Now, let me say something right quick, and I'm going to say it emphatically because there are people whose minds need to be renewed on a variety of subjects. See, God never had a problem, really. God's problem wasn't with the Gentiles' nation in and of themselves as much as it was he had a problem with heathen nations who went a-whoring after other gods. And one of the reasons why God didn't want the Israelites to mix with some of those Gentile nations in the land of Canaan was it's because they would turn their heart away from God. Let me tell you something right quick. A woman... A woman speaking and saying and doing the right thing will have a man doing the wrong things. That went past some of y'all. That went past some of y'all. I, you can look at me like I'm crazy if you want to, but, 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 but kingdoms have fallen behind women. Oh, bless me, Jesus. Hold my mule, Lord. Hold my mule. So God, so, so God, let me, let me, let me clear the air right now. God has no problem with, uh, 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 you marrying whoever you want to marry, regardless of their ethnicity, because that's what it was right here, the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay. But God had a problem with, so, so, it, so interracial marriage is not a problem with God. Now, if you got a problem, then you're not in line with God. I'll just tell you. Well, this is the way I think. No, you, you are a steward. You are God's servant, and you got to start thinking like God. Just like God has no problem with a church that's walking in unity and expressing that unity through, through, through authentic community, living, doing life together. That's, that, that's, our, that's our fabric. That's what, I, I'm going to preach that till I die because it's in the word of God. So you got to decide, am I going to be biblical or am I, I going to just be stuck on the way I've always been? Some of y'all are too doggone stubborn. And your stubbornness will cause you to be out of the will of God. And if you belong to God and God loves you enough to discipline you, he will do that. Okay, so, so y'all got that? So God, God didn't have a problem with it other than the fact that they would turn their hearts toward these false gods. And that's exactly what happened. This guy was evil in the first place, but then Jezebel came in. Mothers, you better pray your son don't marry Jezebel. 
Watch this. The daughter of King Ethbel is silent, and he began to bow down and worship the Baal. Look at it. Okay. Are y'all still with me? First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Here he is ruling God's people, and he's building an altar to Baal. Then he set up an Asherah pole. Y'all know what an Asherah pole is? Go look it up. Okay. He did more. The text said he did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. Now, you got to be something when you provoke God more than anybody else that ever came before you. Please don't be guilty of provoking God to anger because of your sinfulness. Are you with me? In his days, the last verse, it says what? Uh, it was during his reign that Hiel, a man from Bethel, rebuilt Jericho when he laid its foundation. It cost him the life of his oldest son, Abiram. And when he completed it and set up his gates, it cost him the life of his youngest son, Segub. This all happened according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho, spoken by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, get, get into, here we go. Here we go. Next verse is chapter 17, verse number one says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishba uh, in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. I need y'all to hear that. God's man told <laughs> King Ahab, it ain't going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Next verse, come on. It says, then the Lord said to Elijah, watch this, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Next verse, don't drink from, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Now here God is telling him to go do something. He's on a side from God. And really what God does, God uses what, it, what is considered by the Israelites, an unclean bird to drink, to, to feed him, and to drink from a brook. Now, anybody got any sense know that one of the first bodies of water to dry up when there's famine is the brook. But God sent him to a place, and where he sent him to, the brook, brook dried up. How many of y'all know sometimes you can be an obedience to God, doing what God told you to do, and get to a place where your brook dries up? But I need you to understand something. What God is doing is trying to teach this man how to trust him. Are y'all with me? God is trying to teach his prophet how to trust him because this prophet was going to have a showdown on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. In order to have that showdown on Mount Carmel later on with the prophets of Baal, he had to learn how to trust God right where he was. Now, what I'm telling y'all, some of y'all sitting right now, God is trying to get you to trust him because you don't really trust him. And so as a result, your stewardship is not where it needs to be. Watch it. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. Can we keep going, y'all? The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Here we see a supernatural provision and a natural provision. It was natural to drink from the brook, but it was very unnatural for a raven to bring you food and drop it in your mouth. But after a while, the brook dried up. Now, he went where God told him to go, but the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Can we keep reading? Let's go. Then the Lord said to Elijah, watch this, guys. Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there. Feature. Now, keep, 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 watch, watch this, guys. What is God doing? God is trying to get him to trust him. 
in the area of provision and stewardship, just like he's trying to get all of us to trust him in the area of provision and stewardship so that we can learn to be generous like the Macedonian church who were very poor, but they abounded in rich generosity. See, generosity has nothing to do with how much money you have. It has everything to do with how much trust you have in God. And so what God now is doing is building this man's trust because he knows he has greater things for him to do. Could it be that God is not utilizing you or me at a greater level because we hadn't learned how to trust him right where we are? Oh, help us, Jesus. And I think all of us can be consider ourselves guilty. God is trying to mold us and shape us and to try to get us to do life differently, but we keep on being pig-headed and stubborn trying to say, well, this is just the way I've always done things and I'm comfortable right here. Oh, Lord, deliver me from comfortableness. Now, when I say that, guys, I'm, saying, I'm preaching to myself because all of us, if we're honest, like doing the things that we're comfortable with. We don't even have to think about it. When the last time you cook something that caused you to be able to have to think? Some of y'all don't cook at all. Is that what you're trying to do? Have to get a recipe and see, make sure you got the right. Some stuff you cook, you just... You do it naturally. But see, if God is going to take us to higher levels in him, he has to get us to trust him for the things that we can't see. Now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Watch this. I got I, I to get this in because I got to stop. Man, this is too deep. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Next verse says, as she was going to get it, he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. But now notice what she said. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jar. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I would die. Everybody said, but God. Next verse, can we keep reading? It says, But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Oh, watch this now. She said, I got a little flour and me and my son going to eat. Then we're going to die because we starve. It's famine in the land. But Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself. And your son, and the woman already said, I ain't got enough but just for me and my son. But Elijah said, you feed me first. I'm the man of God. God sent me here. And I'm telling you that if you will follow God's lead, he will provide. Can we keep going? Can we keep going? Watch this. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and all olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. I need somebody out there who know that God will make a way out of no way. I need somebody who's experienced the goodness of God in your life. Even when it didn't look like it was going to work out, God worked it out. Oh, glory to God. I'm thinking about myself right now, how God has made a way out of no way. I'm thinking about how God has turned midnight into day. I know the Lord is good. So while you're sitting there pondering and pontificating and worrying and sweating it out, trust God. For this is what the Lord said, the God of Israel said, there will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Keep reading, let's go. So, so she, watch this. Here's what many of y'all miss it. So she did, 
as Elijah said. Can I read it from the KJV? I, I'm still, I, I love the K, I just, can, can we, Brother Jay, I know I'm, I'm jumping with you, but let's, let's put that in the KJV. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Elijah was God's man. And she and he and her house did eat what? Many days. Keep, can we keep reading? Watch this. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by whom? All right. Now, so you, as a member of this church, God says he'll give you pastors according to his own heart to feed you with wisdom and knowledge from high. She did according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by whom? She didn't hear an audible voice, but she heard God's man tell her what God's word said. So when you come in here, that's why I like to read the scripture to you. I want you to see what the word of God says so you don't think it's just Doyle Adams just pontificating up here. I want to show you the word of God in proper context so you see what the word of God says. So now it's going to be up to you to do it. But here's what I would tell you. God, God loves every last one of us. But when we walk in rebellion to his revealed word because, because of our way of thinking, God will deal with us. Now, if you belong to him, whom the Lord loveth, he does what? He disciplines. Gosh, dog. Every time I read this, I want to shout, guys. Next verse. Come on. Come on. I'm saying, and it came to pass after these things. Watch the same woman, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. He died. Next verse. Now again, she delivered from famine, but not dies. And she said unto Elijah, what, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Are thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Next verse says this. And he said unto her, give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into the loft where he abode and laid upon his own bed. Next verse, guys. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? Next verse. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. The text says this, and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. I need some saints who the Lord is listening to. I need somebody praying who can get a prayer through. I need somebody on the Monday morning call, amen, who's speaking truth and divine truth and praying that and the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous does what? Availeth much. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Is he hearing you? And the soul of the child came into again and he revived. Next verse. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him into his mother. And Elijah said, see, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, listen, listen to this. Now by this, I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Here's what I believe. Y'all listen to me very carefully. I believe that in these last days that we're living in, we're going to begin to see God express his miraculous power through those servants who are willing to yield themselves to him. I believe we're going to begin to see God do some supernatural things because people are, we live in a doubtful, doubting world now. And you can tell them what the Bible says, but they don't really care what the Bible says because they don't believe what the Bible says. 
And some of y'all sitting there right now don't really believe what the Bible says because if you believe what it said, you would do what it said. If the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, press down, shake it together, run it over with men giving your bosom with the same measure you meet out to be measured back unto you. If you really believe that, how would you not give? I know I went fast. That was Luke 6 and 38, by the way. See, true belief manifests itself in corresponding action. If I see what the word of God says, but I don't do it, I don't really believe it. I know you may say it, but you don't. I know you may study it in the group and say, that's the word of the Lord. I believe that. No, you don't. Because true belief will be shown by your actions. Stewardship, generosity is part of our DNA as Christians. Let God use you to be a primary steward of the gospel message. And we're going to look at this next week or the following week or whenever. Stewardship of the gospel. How faithful have you been in telling others about the hope that is within you? Every head bowed and back closed. Father, we thank you.